Living in retrospect is a bad idea, and sometimes we let our same old stories hold us back from the new adventure God has for us. But here's the truth. God wants to restory us, transforming our tales of tragedy into epics to anticipate. In this podcast, Mary DeMuth interviews people who have lived through God's powerful restory process, where they've discovered healing, joy, and a brand new perspective. So let's shed that old, painful story and find the freedom we've been longing for. The Restory Podcast starts now. Restory Season 2, Episode 9. Today's podcast is brought to you by BooklaunchMentor.com. If you're an author needing to polish your book before you launch it or you need coaching and help to launch your staggering work of genius, check out the services at BooklaunchMentor.com. Today, I am welcoming author Courtney Westlake to the Restory Show, and I am really excited about having her on. She's written a book called A Different Beautiful, and I don't want to kind of spoil the story, as I usually say every week. So um, let's welcome Courtney. Hey, everyone. It's Mary from the Restory Show, and I have here today Courtney Westlake, and she is amazing, and we became best friends in Canada <laughs> uh, because we were both being interviewed on Huntley Street, which is a television program in, in Canada, and so we were both kind of marooned in the same hotel, and the first night, we didn't know about each other, really, so we didn't eat together. We just ate randomly and sadly alone, <laughs> but the second day, we made sure that we had lunch together, so I'm really excited to welcome Courtney to the show. Hi, Courtney. How are you? Hi. Thank Thanks for having me. That was kind of a weird introduction. But um, anyway, so Courtney has a story she wants to share with the Restory audience, and I'm so excited for her to share it. But first, before we begin kind of the nitty gritty of your story, let us know a little bit about how you grew up and you know school and how you met your husband and all that kind of fun stuff. Sure. I grew up in central Illinois, and um, I'm in the capital in Springfield. And I went to private school all my life and went to the University of Illinois for college and uh, met my husband there when I was a sophomore and he was a freshman. And it just worked out that he was from a town about 30 minutes from my hometown. So all of our family is around here. It works out really well now that we're back here and we can still have all of our family around. So we got married in 2007, right after he graduated college. And so we're coming up on nine years of marriage now. And we had our son two years later. And then um, two years after that, we welcomed our daughter. Awesome. So nine years of marital bliss. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Your husband's in banking. Is that right? Yes, he's a commercial lender for a local community bank. And he started in 2008? Yes. (laughs) That's scary. (laughs) That was a hard time to start that business. Yeah, yeah. It's um it's gotten a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> when you start at the worst, it can only get better. Right. <laughs> and you also do photography, is that right? And you're a blogger. Yeah, I write. I do some freelance writing for other places and blog and I love photography too. So Awesome. And so um you had your son and he's super cute. And how old is he now? He will turn seven in what a week. So oh my gosh. Yeah. So I can't believe how old he's getting. He just went into first grade and he Mm. loves school. So he's really fun. Oh, I bet he's super happy to be there. Yes. 
Well, awesome. And then you got pregnant with your second, as you mentioned in your story. And um, was it a normal pregnancy? How did that go? Did you know what you were having? All that kind of stuff. Yeah, we found out we were having a girl almost exactly five years ago today. And um, yeah, my pregnancy was very typical. The only thing is she just didn't move as much as Connor had. Um, Like I could feel little flutter movements, but it wasn't those like rolling jabs. Um, you know, that you feel with pregnancy. And that was really the only thing, but my doctor wasn't very concerned. So yeah, we went into, uh, I went into labor four weeks early, which again, wasn't very concerning um, because it wasn't too early. And, uh, but then in the delivery room, you know, it was very clear when she was born that something was not right. And I remember talking to you at the restaurant and you said, um, you shared the part about your husband and his reaction and how that you know, that must have scared you as well. You gave birth naturally. And so the baby would nor- normally just be brought right to you. And, and was, when, was Brenna brought to you right away or how did that work? Yeah. So they laid her on my chest right away and she was facing away from me. So she was facing Evan. He was trying to get a picture and he just snapped the single picture. And then he got really lightheaded at the sight of her because she looked so shocking. And I wasn't able to see her face. She was still facing away from me. They snatched her from me right after that. So I really didn't even get to hold her or anything. That must have been pretty difficult. And and no one at that point knew what was going on, right? Like no, they just knew all. something was wrong, but they didn't know exactly what it was. Right. It was very confusing for everyone. And they were just kind of frantic, which was making me very nervous. Sure, sure. And you just gave birth. So you've got all right. that going on. <laughs> yes. And so um, how it didn't take tons of time, right, to find out what was what um, her condition was, but it kind of came through a serendipitous way. Is that right? We were pretty lucky because a lot of people don't get a diagnosis right away. And so, yeah, they texted a picture of her, since it's a very physical condition, um, to our pediatric dermatologist, and he was able to diagnose it from that picture. So that was pretty cool. And tell the listeners a little bit about her condition and what that entails for her. So she has a severe skin disorder called harlequin ichthyosis, and it is a lifelong genetic disorder. And what it means is that her skin just doesn't work very well for her body. It doesn't, you know, hold in moisture, keep bacteria out. Um, It doesn't maintain her body temperature very well, so she can't physically sweat. So, you know, it affects a lot of our daily life. And so when you received the diagnosis, I'm sure, or maybe you didn't, but I probably would have run to the scary internet. And did you do that? And how was that? Yeah, I did not do that. Okay. Um, So you're wiser than I am. Yeah. Evan did. Okay. Um, I did not do that. I just wanted to get all information from our doctor because I was so overwhelmed and I'm glad I didn't because if you Google Harlequin ichthyosis, it is really scary. Um, so I'm glad that we took our situation, you know, day by day, just with our own medical team. And she, uh, it, it wasn't easy. It hasn't been easy the whole time, but initially she had some pretty severe problems in the hospital. Yeah, yeah. she got um, an aggressive blood infection on Christmas Eve night. Right, um, right. Yeah, so we almost lost her that night. Um, she was very critical for a while. And, you know, she had eye surgery at three weeks, and she was hospitalized multiple times her first year of life and ended up having a G-tube placed in her stomach, which is what we fed her through for, you know, a couple years of her life. So yeah, she's had a lot of health issues because of this condition. 
And as you kind of process that as she, you know, was two months, three months, 10 months old, um, how, how did God begin to change your perspective on just, it seems like I, I read your book and it's beautiful. The book's called A Different Beautiful, Discovering and Celebrating Beauty in Places You Never Expected. And it was just a really, a great, a really well-written book and a breath of fresh air. But what did God begin to teach you about just everything during that time? Well, I, I think the first thing he taught me was what it means to trust in him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, even, even in very, very hard times, but I really, I've never felt God's presence more strongly in my life than I did that Christmas Eve when we almost lost Brenna. And, you know, since then it's just become a realization every day that we just have this opportunity to trust him and to rely on his plans, even when we can't understand them. Um, so I think that was, you know, a huge, huge lesson for me. Um, and then, you know, it's just become a realization also of how God has just uniquely and so awesomely created each of us and our differences. And even though you can see Brenna's very visible differences, you know, she's not the different one. We're all different and we're all just created so beautifully in God's image. And, you know, that has just been such a wake up call for me. I love that perspective. And I think, you know, just to be really honest with listeners, you know, in in my own story, I'm coming up on doing a conference soon and in in the preparation for doing my first ever conference it's been weird the spiritual attack that's been happening and oddly the strangest part of that spiritual attack has been about beauty and it's been about you know how I appear which is weird because the conference has nothing to do with that but as I've been thinking about that I've been thinking my goodness we are an obsessed culture about um, some sort of artificially constructed idea of beauty. And we don't see, we don't value and we don't see beauty in, in anyone that looks differently, in anyone that's over the age of 50, <laughs> you know, or, you know, anyone that might be differently abled or, or anything. We, we have this, this idea in our mind. And then if the rest of us don't measure up, then we feel less than. So talk a little bit about what you've learned about beauty in the midst of loving your daughter and also responding to others who may have questions. And I know that must get really tiring after a while. Yeah. And like you said, um, like none of us measure up and who decided that we, exactly. you know, <laughs> that we all have to look this very specific way. We just all bought into that for whatever reason. And, um, you know, Brenna's birth and, you know, life have really taught me that we all look so different and appreciating that is just a wonderful way we can glorify God. And, um, you know, a lot of people obviously do notice her skin at first. It is very different. And we do get a lot of comments and reactions. And I definitely understand the small children who are just trying to make sense of, you know, there's this different difference in front of me and I want to know more about it. But a lot, you know, a lot of people immediately see that and only that. And it's like they can't get past that to see her for the child that she is. And one of the things I really appreciated about your book was you're talking about how you got like a blog comment about someone saying you were reprimanding her for being feisty and she has a little (laughs) temper of her own and a will. And someone said, you should just, you know, don't, don't do that. Just appreciate her for where, you know, that she's here and all that. And Tell tell uh, what your response was internally. Like, what did you think to yourself after you got that comment? 
Yeah, I mean, I was just saying, you know, Brenna has a very big personality. Yes. <laughs> and um, I was just saying, um, you know, talking about that. And somebody said, I would be grateful no matter how she acted with all that she's been through. But I mean, she is another, just another child, just like my mm-hmm. son is. I can't just <laughs> let her act however she wants just because she has a disorder, you know, that would just be, that would just be pitying her and really, really treating her different. Yeah. That was one section I really appreciated too, about this idea of pity and how, when we look at somebody who is different than us or who has um, problems in life or however, you know, it's be someone that battles depression or whatever it might be, when we pity them, it's not a positive thing. And what, what happens, what happens when we pity someone and why, why does that not a good thing? I just think when we pity someone, we're saying your life is sad. You are sad. You are pitiful. And, you know, Brenna's not, you know, a sad person. She's a very vibrant child. And, you know, I really dislike it when people say like, oh, poor thing, you know, and I understand that they're trying to express compassion for what she goes through. But um, I wish they would just appreciate more who she is and, and admire her for that instead of pitying her. Yeah. Admire her for her spunk. And, and if you yeah. follow Courtney on Instagram, which is just lovely, I just, I started following <laughs> her after we met, um, there's her, you can see the spunk definitely. And I also appreciate that Courtney's a photographer, so she takes awesome pictures too, but, um, but you can just see her personality. I, I was sad that I didn't get to meet her when I was in Canada, but she wasn't there, so I couldn't have. But, right. Um, she would have stolen the show. She, she would have. <laughs> that would have been really great. That would have been so cool. So you tell us a little bit about the journey of hearing from God about writing a book about this, because I know it hasn't been the most simple, like, oh, I decided to write a book and then I had a book. <laughs> it's right. a lot different than that. <laughs> it's never like that, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Well, I started blogging when Brenna was just a few days old. Um, I just wanted to update family and friends like about her condition because she was so critical. And then I just kept writing and updating. And as I shared, it became less about you know how she was doing day to day and more just about our experiences and what I was feeling as her mom. And that just resonated with so many people. And I was hearing, you know, back from people that they were just being touched and healed and educated by it. And I was just connecting with so many amazing people that it just became this journey of sharing and communicating, you know, through the struggles and through the triumphs. And, you know, it just, it got to where I was like, I just felt like I had a book in me. And I just felt like God was calling me to share my story because of his story within that. Yeah. And so then instantly you were published, right? Right. (laughs) And, you know, it's just selling like crazy without me having to do anything. (laughs) You you went to a conference. You went to She Speaks. Is that right? I did. I went to She Speaks, which I highly recommend. It was so awesome. And I know you've been to it. And um, I met my agent there, Blythe Daniel, and we just connected right away. And she just really believed in my story, which I was so grateful for. And then, you know, she found my publisher, which is it's Shiloh Run Press, which is an imprint of Barber Publishing. And they just completely believed in my story as well. And um, it's just been, you know, a long journey. I've learned so much about the publishing process <laughs> and writing and marketing. And there's just so much. Um, but it's been really enjoyable. That's awesome. And so the past, uh, Brenna's now three, is that right? 
She's four and a oh, half. Oh, she's four and a half. Oh, yeah, geez. she's going to be five in December. Oh, she's going to be yeah. five. So is she going I to know. kindergarten next year? Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. That's going to be crazy. Is it all day or half day where you it's live? It's all day. Oh, my gosh. What are you going to yeah. do with yourself? I know. Think <laughs> and take naps. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your, uh, you have an unusual routine that most parents don't have with their children. So with Brenna, what kinds of things do you need to do every day that a normal family wouldn't have to do with their, you know, child with normal skin? Yeah. So it's simple, but we have to do this every day. So it's not like, so she has a really long daily bath and we can't just skip it. You know, I realized the other day Connor hadn't been bathed in like four days, you know, (laughs) (laughs) but we need to bathe her. (laughs) Yes. We have to bathe her because, um, her body just soaks up the moisture of the tub and the water softens her skin. So we, we rub off all the extra skin that's built up over the day. Her skin produces too quickly, like 10 times faster than ours. So we have to rub that off every day. And um, we coat her entire body in this lotion called Aquaphor, just helps keep her comfortable, able to move better. Her skin just doesn't stretch like ours does. Um, And then, you know, we have to just be really careful about germs and infection because um, she's just really susceptible to bacteria. And, you know, like I said, she doesn't maintain her body temperature very well. So hot temperatures outside can be really dangerous for her. And um, so we just... There's so much more planning and preparation that goes into events or if there's like an outdoor birthday party, I'm like checking the weather, um, you know, just to make sure that it's not too hot and what we might have to bring to it. To But, you know, it's become such a balance of not letting it limit us or hold us back from things, but just how can we do this? How can we make this happen? So that's what we really strive for. I bet that was a really great um, lesson that the Lord kind of brought to your family as I think a lot of us look at our lives and we view the limitations instead of the possibilities. Has that happened with you as well? Yeah, I feel like when she was diagnosed and I was learning about this disorder, all I was thinking about is, oh, she's not going to be able to do this and she's not going to be able to do that. And we're not going to be able to do this as a family. And I just kind of, you know, we took a step back and we're just like, what can we do instead of what can we not do? And so it, we have found that it's, it's as limiting as we let it be. And, you know, she, I want her to decide for herself what is going to limit her. And I want to allow her to amaze us because she has been able to do so many more things than we ever thought possible. That's awesome. You give this example in the book of going to a water park and you were kind of worried about that prior. And, and, you know, of course, as a mom, you don't want people to stare at your child and you don't want to have to, you you have to deal with it every single time you go out. But, you know, that happened at the water park. But what I loved about the story was you came back and thought and said, I could choose to focus on people looking at my child, or I could choose to focus on that the weather was just right. And she had a lot of fun and we spent time with family. And I just think that's such a powerful metaphor for everybody who's listening to this today that you have the choice. You can choose to look at the negative that's happening or you can choose to rejoice in what God has given. Yes, exactly. How else has God helped you in that way or what, how has he restored your life in that sense of being able to count your blessings? It sounds like such a cliche thing, but how, (laughs) how have you learned to do that because of Brenna's amazing, crazy, amazing life? 
I think that for me, it's just been about realizing that even in like our hardest days, we have been able to find so much good in something, especially in the people around us. You know, even when she's hospitalized and it's just horrible and she's in so much pain, there are so many people around us lifting us up and just that connection and those relationships and that love. It's just such a beautiful thing. And so I think for me, it's just been more being more aware of recognizing that there is so much good, even when there is a lot of bad too. And we can choose whatever we want. We can choose to look for that good, or we can choose to focus on the bad. I agree. And and that I think that message is really clear in your life and in the book as well. And I just encourage people to pick it up and just be so encouraged by that. In uh, One of the stories I appreciated, uh, and I don't know what the ending is or if there even is an ending, but there was a homeless man who had a similar condition to your daughter's. Tell us a little bit about that story. Yeah, he. Um, I had heard about him through kind of the grapevine. And, um, you know, when it was when Brenna was little, we were just very overwhelmed. So I just, I kind of forgot about it. And I saw him when Brenna was almost three, I saw him in Target and I knew exactly who it was because the appearance is so obvious. He has a different form of ichthyosis than Brenna's and, um, but it's very similar. And so I, I stopped him and I talked to him and, you know, I realized it was the first time I'd ever talked to a homeless person. Um, and I almost just felt kind of ashamed by that, but we talked for a while and then I found him again later on Brenna's third birthday and we had breakfast together at Target. And, you know, I just started trying to work within our resources just to help in whatever way I could. But I really, instead of just diving in, and thinking I knew the best way to help him, I really just tried to listen to his needs first and foremost. Yeah. And I realized that he really wanted to see a doctor. So we worked with our dermatologist to set him up with an, you know, an adult dermatologist for the first time in years. And then we, uh, my family ended up working to get him a low-income apartment, which he's still living in. Wow, that's and, amazing. Yeah, and my dad has just become friends with him and sees him pretty often. And it's just been a wonderful story. That is so cool. And just think about, you probably would not have approached him had you not been so well acquainted with this disease. No, I would have probably just thought he was dirty because, you know, this of the skin condition and I probably just would have avoided him. But because of our experience with Brenna, it just it showed me how God is just showing up and connecting us. And even though our differences can feel isolating, he's redeeming all of our struggles by working through us like that. Yeah. And I love that, you know, you might've thought when, you know, when you were going through all those things in your mind about, we can't do this, we can't do that. You might've thought that your world was becoming smaller, but in some ways it's becoming bigger. And what ways has your world become bigger because of this? So much bigger. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think first of all, we've just connected with this, uh, community uh, for Brenna's condition, the ichthyosis community. And we have a wonderful foundation um, called First. And through that, we've just gotten to know so many other parents who are going through similar similar experiences and struggles. And that has really lifted us up. It must be really... Uh, tell me a little bit about what it was like to walk into your first meeting or convention with, with other parents and other families. 
Yeah. So the first time we went to first has a national family conference. It's every other year. So Brenna was two and a half when we first went and it was just incredible to see all these different people with all different appearances. And um, it was amazing because Connor was four and a half at the time and he did not even notice. He is so used to differences now. I think he did not even notice. So that that's just been wonderful, I think, for to see in my own kids how they um they don't even see differences now because they've been exposed to so many different kinds of people. I love the story that you share about Connor not taking her hand and so you were reprimanding him. And then what did you find out afterwards? Yeah, one day he was just saying he didn't want to hold her hand. And it was kind of, you know, upsetting me because I'm thinking that he doesn't want to hold her hand because of the way it feels the way her skin is. And so I kept, you know, like you said, <laughs> reprimanding him. And then I come to find out that, you know, she's just not holding it right. She's like, <laughs> trying to grip him from behind and he didn't <laughs> like that. And so this whole time I made it out to be this offensive, um, you know, physical thing when he just didn't like the way she was actually holding it, not the way she <laughs> felt. So I really, I realized, you know, how quick we can be to get defensive um, when we don't know the whole story. And sometimes we just need to step back and listen more. I really appreciate that because I, th I think we live in a world right now of a bunch of shouting on the internet yes. <laughs> and we're so tired of all the shouting that we've stopped listening, but one-on-one, -on -one, that's such an important, beautiful act that, like you said, when you talk to the homeless man, you just listened to him and wanted to know what his needs were. You could have assumed his needs. You could have brought him a meal every day, but maybe that's not what he needed. And I think we need to dignify people by being curious and asking questions and being interested in their lives and then sitting back and not being so preoccupied with social media that, you know, we're not checking our phones, but we're actually checking the person out and listening to them and, and dignifying them by hearing their story. Right. Exactly. So uh, I'm winding this down, but I wanted to ask um, what kind of advice you would give to a parent who has, um, there's, you know, a variety of different things, maybe a special needs child or even a child that isn't turning out the way you wanted to. Maybe you have a prodigal child or, or behavioral or they're, you know, going through depression or whatever. A parent experiences the pain of their children. So what kind of advice or what has helped you um, as you've loved your dear daughter and your son through this journey? Yeah, I think as moms, especially, maybe we have a lot of expectations of what motherhood will look like, or what our kids will be like. And usually, um, we are wrong. <laughs> and so, you know, for other parents, I just encourage, first of all, to give a lot of grace to yourself, you know, to not succumb to guilt, because that just doesn't help anyone. You know, we all need a lot of grace. And and for um, for other, you know, I just think we can um, really accept help better. We tend to not want to accept help from other people, but people want to love us and to help us, and especially in really hard times. And it's just a gift for other people and for ourselves to be helped. That's hard to do, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> and because I think I think we forget this, though. I think we forget that 
we actually love helping other people. And so when someone puts their hand up and says, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, it actually takes away the joy of us giving to them. And so it's actually a gift to allow someone to give to us. And it's hard to, it's a humbling and it messes with our pride, but we're enabling someone else to be heroic. And when someone's heroic and kind and serving, then they're, we're going to make their day in a way. So, you know, we've, we've gone through that with my husband's job loss for the first half of the year. And, and God just really, really did some amazing things through us being receptive to other people helping. And it's humbling, but it's beautiful too. It's the body of Christ in action. It is so beautiful. Yes. How has your, um, your relationship with your extended families, uh, how has that been? You know, you live near each other. How has that been through this whole diagnosis and living out Brenna's condition? Yeah, we're just so fortunate to have them all around and they have just been amazing angels to, you know, um, because of her severe needs, um, they have really come in and learned alongside of us how to care for her. And it's just been able to give us a break and uh, focus on our marriage. And, you know, our parents would swoop in and say, you guys need to go out together. We will watch the kids. And uh, that has just been amazing. That is that is amazing and, and truly a gift. Yes. So, <laughs> I love that. So my last question is, um, how has God in the past year, how has he restoried you? How has he given you a new story? Wow. I think that probably in the past year, as I've been writing this book, sometimes I've tended to get really focused on me and what I have going on. And, you know, God has really begun to touch me, especially in the last few weeks and few months that, um, that I just need to be obedient to his calling for me instead of striving to be what I think everyone else is, you know, reaching for more, trying to write more and be published on bigger sites and things like that, just, um, to follow him and just to be obedient to him. I love that. And I think even you and I meeting is part of that, you know, just this great orchestration that we could never create. We could never do the great, amazing things that God does, but we do live in a world and we've talked about this already that says you have to be beautiful, but it also says you have to be really, really productive and do all the things. And I'm learning lately just the power of listening to the Holy Spirit and those nudges and that those nudges are more important than all the have-tos that you get, especially as a writer, you get like 10 million have-tos <laughs> and it can be relentless and tiring. So I love, I love that perspective. Yeah. I mean, we don't have to be the best. We just have yes. to be true to ourselves and what God has planned for us. We don't have to be the best. We just have to be faithful. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the Restory Show today. I just so appreciate your heart and your wisdom and the journey that God has you on. Thank you so much, Courtney. Thank you. I love talking with you today. Thanks for listening to the Restory Show. Do you mind if I pray for you? Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us a new story. Thank you for Courtney's story and thank you for Brenna's story and that you are weaving so beautifully. And I just thank you that everybody that you've created on this beautiful green earth is unique and beautiful in your eyes. And for those who are struggling today with beauty and wondering if they measure up, Lord, just remind them today that everybody is beautiful and you make everyone so beautiful. And I'm just so grateful for that. 
Help us to be sensitive today to people that struggle differently than we struggle with and help us to have empathy for parents that are going through hard times and help us to see this world the way you see it. You don't look at the outside, you look at the heart. So help us today to look at the heart of the people that we interact with. I pray all these things in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, if you'd like to know more about today's show with links and extended information, please go to marydemuth.com forward slash restory2-9. That's not an underscore, it's a dash, 2-9. And may you live a brand new story this week.